0: Good morning and welcome to church. great to have you here. I am this morning just wanting to briefly um, share with you what I believe is um, the most important part of unwrapping Christmas, and that is the gift of salvation and grace. And I really hope that in the short time, um, this will be something either a reminder or an encouragement to you um, that this is something that we need to actually really not take for granted, not abuse, but be very aware of in our lives. So before we get started, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much that we get to gather together and to hear your word and to be encouraged to um, not only just hear your word, but to be doers of your word. So help us this morning to take in everything that we need to, to be ministered to. Um, Yeah, Lord, just whatever you want to say to each and every person that's here, would you speak to them? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid growing up, Christmas was the most incredible time of the year for me. I grew up as an only child until the age of 13, so when I got together with all of my cousins on Christmas and my aunts and my uncles, it was amazing. My mom was one of 10, so I had lots of aunties and uncles, and you can imagine all the extended family, and we are 19 cousins. So we would get together, first cousins, and we would get together as little kids and we would um, uh, have Christmas lunch. And then one of my uncles would dress up as Father Christmas and arrive with a big, massive bag of gifts for every single child. So in those days, (coughs) uh, (coughs) excuse me, when a gift was like, two rand, then families could afford to buy a gift for every single one of the kids. So we would get at least 10 to 12 presents, and this was the best thing ever. So we would sit, and we would sit with our eyes wide open and wait for our names to be called, and we would receive these gifts, and we would go up and get the gifts. Oh, thanks, Tammy. And um, we would um, be completely excited and beside ourselves, waiting to see what would be, in the gift. And of course, it's wonderful to receive gifts, it's wonderful to have your name called out, but there's nothing better than actually opening that gift. The anticipation of what is inside the gift is what is really amazing. And sometimes I would, you know, we would open the gift and it would be things that we hadn't even thought of or hadn't even hoped for, but it would be so exciting. And other times it would be things that we'd been thinking about all year because in those, those days, I'm sure some of you can relate, um, you got gifts on your birthday and Christmas, no other time of the year. There was no take a lot. There was no Sunday shopping. You know, toys weren't something you just expected every month. You know, it was something really special. So that was something that was really special to me, that anticipation. And I was thinking a lot about this as I I was preparing the message. And I was thinking, you know, um, Jesus also received gifts when he was born, you know. And there's something about that, something really special. And the gifts that the wise men or the three kings or the 20 kings, we don't know how many they were, the Bible, um, you know, doesn't stipulate, brought Jesus' gifts, but not did they just. But they didn't just bring him any gifts. They didn't just bring him, you know, a blanket or socks, as as the one girl said. Or, you know, they actually brought him gifts that were fit for a king. Oh, look at Tammy! Isn't she amazing? <laughs> Thanks, Tammy. <laughs> Thinks of everything. And, um, you know, the the gifts were fit for a king. So here were people who had heard about the coming Messiah. I mean, they didn't know what we know today, and yet they took him gifts that they knew were fit for a king. And I just think that's amazing. Imagine that um, anticipation of the wise men as they went searching for Jesus, the baby. I mean, a baby, and they bowed down before him and gave him these incredible gifts. And so what I would like us to do today is to try our best to actually remember that Jesus is our gift from God. Jesus is our gift, and we must never take that for granted. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to read from Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. And it sounds like a lot, and I'm just going to read through it quickly, and you can follow along with me on the screen from verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Then verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when we raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Then from verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Now, that's a lot of scripture that I just read, but what I want to emphasize is that in the first three verses of Ephesians, we actually hear the bad news that Paul lays out that we are sinners and subject to God's anger. I mean, that's really the bad news. We are sinners and subject to God's anger. But then from verse 4, we see that he does a total U-turn. He does the sharp U-turn, and he starts off that verse by saying, but God. So there's all this bad news, but then he says, but God. And he says that God, he says, but God is so rich in mercy you know what rich means? Rich means to be wealthy, to have a lot of something. Okay? So if God is if God is referred to as somebody having um, an, an attribute that is he's rich in mercy, that means that he has a whole lot of it. He has a whole lot of mercy. He is rich in mercy. I love the word mercyful okay? It should, should come up in a moment. Mercy full. It's like he was full of mercy. The phrase rich in mercy actually offsets the description of humanity being rich in sin. So if you think about the first three verses, basically those verses were saying that we are rich in sin, okay? We are wealthy in sin. We have a lot of sin. But then it goes on to say that God, it offsets it by saying, but God is rich in mercy. So he has a whole lot of mercy and it offsets it. Now think about it. Only a God rich in mercy would conceive such a plan to save us and redeem us from our sin. Only a God like that could come up with such a plan as he did. And mercy is compassion or forgiveness extend it to someone who actually deserves punishment for the wrong that they have done. Mercy is the only explanation for Jesus as Christ and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. That's the only explanation. Why else would he have done it? Because he is mercy full, rich in mercy. A God rich in mercy demonstrates his love for us we read in Romans 5, verse 8, where it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't it amazing to think that before you were born, Christ died for you? Before you knew him, Christ died for you. Before you acknowledged him, Christ died for you. Before anything, a God full of mercy sent his son to die for you. And so, The point over there today is that the main subject from Ephesians 2 is God. God is the main subject. And so if there's a main subject, the main problem is the sin. And so what is sin? Sin is purposefully, like on purpose, disobeying the word of God, disobeying what God says. Sin is like, it's identified or characterized as doing the things that you shouldn't do or not doing the things that you should do, that is sin, it's, it's disobeying God. And you know what, when you think about sin, sin really is what is in our hearts. It's what comes out of our hearts. Sin is what is in our thoughts. It's what we lean towards. It's, um, it's our motives, it's our values. And sin is about who you are when you are separated from Jesus. Because we are all sinners, Right? And so when we are separated from from Jesus and we do our own thing, we become very self-focused, we become very selfish, and we can actually live our lives completely saying, well, you know what, I'm going to do what's best for me. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to make decisions and choices that I want, that I desire, that is best for me. And um, it doesn't mean... That you're a bad person and that you have no good in you, because remember that we are made in the image of God. So it doesn't mean that you have no good in you. It just means that all the choices that you make are about me, myself, and I. Me. Okay? When we are not in relationship with Jesus, everything we do is for ourselves. And so that is what separates us from God, is the sin when we are self focused. And so. If you've got God as the main subject, you've got sin as the main problem, what is the main solution? What is the main solution? Jesus. Okay, Jesus is the main solution, and He wants to save us from our brokenness. He doesn't want to leave us as we are. Jesus doesn't come along and say, Ach, you know, Sam, you know what? You brought that on yourself. Tough luck. You go, you know, you're just going to have to bear with that. No, Jesus says, I died for you. You no longer have to take an animal to the temple and sacrifice it for the sins that you, th- that you did. Now you get to just ask me for forgiveness because I bled on the cross. I was the, 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 the lamb, the ultimate sacrifice. I shed my blood for you so that you can um, experience the forgiveness that comes from what Jesus did for you so that you can live a life that has joy, that has peace, that has hope, that has everything that he wants for you. And you know what's so amazing about what Jesus did for you? Is that no one can ever take it away from you. Do you reject it? Yes, but nobody can ever take it away from you. It says in John 10, verse 10, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Again, full. Mercy, full. He wants you to have a full life. So, we see that um, there was sin in the first three verses. And then um, God says from verse 4 that he... Um, wants to make a plan, and he wants us to no longer be under the power of sin. And so he no longer wants us to experience the consequences of our sin, and that is why Jesus died on the cross for us. And so so through your faith in, in Jesus and believing that he is the Savior, what that means is that you can now stand before God not guilty because your sins have been forgiven, because your sins have been paid for. God doesn't take us out of the world or make us robots. We still feel like sinning. I still have thoughts I shouldn't have. You know, it's it's not always easy to to try and do everything right. Um, And sometimes we do sin, sometimes we do give in. But the difference now is that before we became Christians, we were dead in our sin but because of what Jesus did, we are now alive. What does that mean? When we pass from this world to the next, we will be alive with Christ in heaven. Sin won't have killed us and separated us from him forever. We will be alive with Christ in heaven. And so we go, okay, that's great. The main solution is Jesus, but how? Like, what do we have to do? How? And All it really is, is God's gift of salvation and grace. That's how he did it. God said, here is a gift. Here is what I want for you. Here is what I'm willing to offer up, my only son, so that you can have this gift of salvation and grace. The Bible tells us two important truths about God's gift of salvation. First of all, it tells us that it's a really costly gift. Now, fortunately, God has never asked us to give up one of our children to pay this f- for the sins of the world. But he gave up his son. He was in relationship with his son when he created the world. There were, you know, it's always been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he gave up. He sent his son to earth knowing the pain that he would go through, knowing what Jesus would, would experience and, and, um, and suffer. And so if it's a costly gift... The best way for me to try and explain to you what that would mean is say, for example, you have someone that you really, really just want to bless. Maybe a spouse, a child, a friend. You want to get them a really, really great gift. What do you have to do in order to get that person a gift? okay? You have to get in your car. You have to drive to the shop. You have to spend time looking for the gift. You have to take money out of your account that you earned to pay for the gift. But what does the person who's receiving the gift have to do? Nothing. It's free to them. But it wasn't free to you. It cost you something, It costs you, it costs you money, it costs you time, it costs you petrol, it costs something. Nothing is just for free, right? But God's gift to us is for free. God's gift of salvation and grace is for free, and no one can ever take that away from you. The same is true with God's gift And I don't want us to ever take it for granted because Jesus' sacrifice for our sins isn't something that he did that didn't cost him anything. It cost him. It cost him a lot. John three sixteen promises that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Romans 6, verse 23 says that for the wages of sin is death. You see, the wages of sin, the gift is free, but our sin still costs something. There's a wage that needs to be paid for our sins. But the free gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Christ Jesus our Lord. But the Bible also tells us a second truth. So like any other gift, God's gift of salvation doesn't become ours until we accept it. So I can give Tammy a gift, I can force her, shove it in her face, I can make her want to to take my gift, but if she doesn't accept it, it's not, there's nothing that that I can do about it. If she turns away from that gift, that's it. There, There is nothing I can do. So with God's gift, you have to accept it, you have to want it, you have to take it, and so what I want you to do is to realize, for those of you that have been a Christian for many, many, many years, and for those of you that are maybe hearing this and thinking, well, I've never accepted that gift, because I'm not too sure where I stand. I'm not too sure what I believe. I'm not too sure, I'm, I'm scared. It's the unknown. I want all of us to hear this message, because we can all take this gift for granted. We can all abuse it. This isn't a message just for those who have never accepted the gift. This is a message for all of us to remind us that that gift is there. You don't take a gift that somebody has given you and put it back in the bag. God wants you to use the gift that he has given you. And so he's given this gift of salvation and grace and then what what do we need to do? What is our response? Well, think about it. When you are the recipient of a gift, what is your response? Your response is to be grateful, to be appreciative, to thank the giver, to use the gift, to actually um, do something with a gift, right? Um, now, that's exactly what we should do with God. We should handle the gift of salvation well. We also need to make sure that we are using the gift. Now, I don't know about you, but... I've given gifts before where I know that the person's never used it or worn it, and I've done the same, so I can't really speak, okay? We all, we all, there there are gifts where that happens, but the gift of salvation and grace is different. It's not a material gift. It's an eternal gift. Material things come and go but the gift that Jesus died on the cross for us for the gift that he that he came to earth born as a baby that gift is eternal and God wants us to use it and so we should make sure first of all that God knows that we appreciate this gift and so how do we do that firstly by taking the time to receive the gift to understand what we are receiving to receive it, and to appreciate this gift. But secondly, we need to walk in it. So, it's very, so, so like I said, you can have a gift and put it back in the bag and never use it. You can have a gift voucher for 10,000 rand at Canal Walk. What, what, what does it help you if you never use it, if it just sits lying there? So you need to take this gift of salvation and grace and you need to use it. And how do we use it? I'm going to tell you in a moment. But let's first talk about salvation. There are two types of people that respond to salvation. The first type is the person that says, I am am so grateful for your gift of grace, God. I'm so, so grateful. But now that I've got it, I can relax and carry on living the way that I was. But that is not showing God that you appreciate his gift or that you love him and honor him. Because yes, we can fail, but it's the intention of the heart. So you can't turn around and say, oh, well, I asked Jesus 25 years ago to be my Savior, but I've continued to live in sin. I've continued because I made that decision once. It doesn't matter what I do. Yes, it does. It does matter what our intentions are. The second type of person is the person who says, oh, I've got to work for that gift. I've got to earn that gift. I've got to give my blood, sweat, and tears for that gift. But the gift is free. You don't earn a paycheck. You don't pay like a paycheck for that gift, okay? It's free. Your works do not save you, but you work because you are saved. Let me repeat that. Your works do not save you, but you work because you are saved. So now you are saved, you're restored, you're on a new journey, you've been set free by the blood of Jesus, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, the old life is gone and the new life has begun and because all of these things, you work for Christ because you honor Him and you love Him. Think about it. If your works could save you, you would never, ever need Jesus. Then what Jesus did would be absolutely pointless. If, it, if, if God was like, you know what, Reese, all you have to do is just work 24 hours a day to earn your way into heaven. In your own strength, in your own abilities, with the gifting that, that, that I've given you, but, but do it all in your own strength we would all die like frick on the spot. There would be no way we could keep that up. No way. But that's why when we accept the gift of salvation and grace and the Holy Spirit empowers us, then we get to work and do do things for Jesus and do things um, because we want to serve others, because we love God, we want to share the good news, we want to share our gifts through worship, through You know, like at work, share the gospel because we want people in our workplace, in our schools, in our families to know about this wonderful gift that we've received. Now, praying a prayer, obviously what we do, you know, when you realize what Jesus has done for you and you want to accept him into your life and you pray a prayer that allows you to to receive the gift, okay, that is the first step. But then, from then on, you have to choose what you will do to fully experience God. Do you know that you get to choose that part? You get to wake up every day and say, Today, even if, you, if, even if you've been saying this for 25 years, you get to wake up every day and say, Today, God, I accept your gift of salvation and grace because today I need your grace. I'm a sinner, I'm human, I fall. I don't always have the best attitude. I don't always remember what Jesus did for me in the way that I should. But today I get to choose you once again, Jesus. Today I get to choose that I'm gonna love you, how I'm gonna love you, how I'm gonna serve you, how I'm gonna honor you. You get to choose it. And I think that's amazing because God didn't make robots. He said, here's this free gift, but once you've accepted it, you get to choose how you wanna love me and serve. Salvation is not escaping from this world. It's engaging with it. Salvation is not escaping. So we don't get saved and then all stay in our holy huddles. And like, oh, better not talk to, to anyone who's bad. Better not have any friends who are bad. Better not have it, you know, like, no. Salvation gives you the ability. It emp- the Holy Spirit empowers you and now you can engage with the world and so how do we engage how do you respond to this gift of salvation well let me ask you this why do we feed the hungry people in our community why do we give food vouchers why do we give food parcels Why do we help students at schools with with their, their schoolwork and to help them get into university? Why do we help students at Milton High School with My City bus cards and food parcels? Why do we help the missionaries to live in Zambia so they can dig water wells and spread the good news to people in Zambia? Why do we sell hope art? Why do we do all these things? Because of what Jesus did for us. That is our response to the gift of salvation and grace. That is how we respond. That is how we engage with the world. We become Christians through God's undeserved favor, not because of any effort, ability, intelligent choice or acts of service on our part. Out of gratitude for this free gift, we look for ways to help, And serve others with kindness, with love, gentleness, and not just to please ourselves or to make ourselves feel better. God's intention of salvation is to make a way for us, for our sins to be forgiven, but then it's for us to respond after that, to respond to Him. And so there's so many things in this world that we can do to to be good people and there's nothing wrong with any of those things but only Jesus can change us from the inside out only he has the power to do that only what he did on the cross has the power to do that and so I want I want you to just close your eyes for a moment and I want you to ask you these questions and this is between you and God this is not like you don't have to answer to me But have you accepted the free gift of salvation that Jesus is offering you? Have you accepted it? And if you're not sure, you get to accept his free gift right now. And what's so amazing is that there's no special prayer that you need to pray. You just need to do what it says in Romans 10, verse 9. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. That God raised you from the dead and you will be saved. So, all you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so, what I want to do now is I actually want to pray. I want us all to pray together. And I want three different responses. Not, I, I don't need to see your response, this is between you and God. The first response is if you've never, ever accepted this gift of salvation and grace. Then you get to pray a prayer today and make the choice to accept that gift, to open the gift, to unwrap the gift, and not just to have it nearby, but to actually put it into your life and use it. The second response is for people who are not sure if they've really been living a life where they are choosing Jesus every day. Maybe you haven't fully understood the concept of grace you get to respond today as well. And the third response is for those of you that have accepted the gift of salvation and grace, to pray that you will never take it for granted, that you'll never abuse it, and that that you can pray that the Holy Spirit will continually empower you to do what God has created you to do and has called you to do. And so I'm going to pray, and I'd, I'd like every single one of you in this building right now to pray this after me so that nobody feels weird praying it on out loud. We're all going to pray together. Please say after me. Dear God, I realize I am a sinner and could never reach heaven by my own good deeds. Salvation is a gift that only you can give. So right now, I place my faith in Jesus Christ as God's Son who died for my sins and rose from the dead to give me life. Please forgive me of my sins and help me to live for you. Thank you for accepting me and giving me eternal life. Amen. And Father, I just want to pray for each and every one of us here this morning that we would do whatever we can to remember the greatest gift of all, your Son, Jesus Christ, and to go into this Christmas season, this next week, remembering the real reason for the season. Help us, God, to honor you and love you by serving those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.